Yes, indeed. Yesterday, I am an hour and a half away from my computer on a family outing with my daughter. Receive an email from one of the minions saying, you should check out playerprofiler.com. It's been taken over by Turkish hackers. And I didn't believe it, so I was just like, okay, well, sure, whatever. I don't even think he said Turkish hackers. I think he said, did you know that Player Profiler is now all in Turkish? And I was like, oh, that's weird. Hmm, must be a language setting. <laughs> let, me go, let me go flip that language setting from English, from Turkish back to English. <laughs> it's just, I'm sure it's going to be an easy fix. Go to playerprofiler.com on my phone. Everyone's wondering what I'm doing, why, why I'm not engaging in conversations, and I'm looking at it going, Oh! Oh! The site is not in Turkish! We've been hacked! Oh, wow! And for some reason, I wasn't panicking. I didn't think it was a big deal. In fact, there was something inside me that said, Wow! Hmm! Interesting. We're big enough and important enough to be hacked? Hmm! Looks like we've arrived. First thing happened, a couple, I think, when you have a new web project, a new IT project, a new website, and you launch it, and you don't know. You don't know if anyone's going to visit it. You don't know if it's going to be popular. You don't know if anyone will find it useful. You hope people do, but you don't know. And there are certain markers that you hit where you know, oh, oh, hmm. Interesting. This site is getting some traction. Oh, interesting. Okay. So we're at, we're, we've reached a, a, a certain level. That's great. And what's interesting are those markers are generally bad news. They're generally bad events. They're generally stressful events. But once you get over those stressful events, you get through it, you get past it, and you look back and you go, wow, we're starting to arrive or we have arrived. The first time this happened for me was when Evan Silva tweeted out a link to a player profile or player page to one of his close to 100,000 followers. And we had thousands of people hit the site all at once, brought it down. Crash! And I was like, oh! I, re I remember I felt similar level of non-anxiety at that point when that happened I'm like oh wow we're down no one can access the site huh wow looks like we're down you want to pull up the height adjusted speed score of Des Bryant sorry not right now you'll have to wait until later to access this free resource everybody <laughs> so there's a Already, from the beginning, there was this level of ambivalence that I had about the site. And I'm not sure why, because I take such pride in it. I mean, it's such a huge source of pride for me. Yet, it's also paired with this level of ambivalence where I just have yet to be stressed out about any event, no matter how catastrophic that has occurred. So, when Evan Silva tweeted that out, we were on a shared server... And we violated the terms of that shared server, and they shut us down for over a day before we could get back online. And I thought to myself, wow, we a, a traffic spike just crashed our servers. Huh. 
that's certainly a that's certainly a uh, a check mark on the list of on the on the bucket list of things that you want to make sure that you do with your website to prove its popularity for it to be a success you have to go through this process you have to go through these bumps you have to step in these potholes step on these landmines all along the way you have to do it i mean that's the business i come from i come from an it background where we built websites we built web hosted systems web-based applications for businesses and we had crash events we had data loss events very stressful situations and i remember being so stressed out can't sleep just so nervous just on edge everyone at the company and i think having gone through that now with my own project i i just this level of ambivalence is just interesting to me because it's juxtaposed next to how I used to feel when these kinds of things would happen. The stress that would wash over me was almost overwhelming, and now it's not there. Oh, wow. Our site just crashed. We're down. Huh. Traffic spike. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Now we're hacked. And I'm like, huh. Looks like our site's in, not able to be accessed. Looks like it's been taken over by Turkish zealots. Maybe these are actually Turkish running back zealots who don't think Tevin Coleman is a fit for zone blocking systems. Who knows? Who cares what their motives are? <laughs> I uh, really hope all the data is not lost. I hope they didn't delete everything. But they did. They went in. and So what they did is they went in and they deleted everything. And normally, I think that would be a, a tragic event, but we're very fortunate that we're back, and the player pages and the 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 most of the pages most people visit are now back up and running. We were back up and running within six hours with our core site and the core pages, so it could have been a lot worse. And and here's how it could have been a lot worse. We're actually very fortunate because of my own incompetence which I find I found fascinating in retrospect thinking back I was like wow this could have turned out a lot worse if I was more competent because what happened is the site is fairly rudimentary behind the scenes it looks cool the front end looks cool the back end is rudimentary there actually isn't even a true database system powering there's no MySQL database powering the site it's just web pages looking up these flat CV CSV files and rendering them. And then the articles and things of that nature are pages built in WordPress. So there is no real core SQL table, SQL database where data is managed. That's the reason why we don't have a tool that allows you to search and filter and download the stats on players. We don't have the back-end infrastructure to support that kind of tool. We will. The goal is to have that rolled out by the end of the year. But the developers I work with, they have always thought that this site was too rudimentary for the level of traffic, for the goals that I have for the site. They thought that the back-end architecture was always way, it wasn't sophisticated enough. 
and it's part of the reason why the site for a long time was fairly slow and it's part of the reason why when someone like Evan Silva would tweet a link to a player page why we would crash and about six months ago I sat down with the developers and I said well what is, what's our plan for 2015 I have a, I have a whole an ambitious list of things I want to get done with the site and they said first things first there's almost no question about it this is almost not up for discussion but you need to we need to build out a proper MySQL database structure behind the scenes to store all this data and then we can move off of this CSV file upload that you do and you can manage all of the information within the site and stop managing it on your own computer with these spreadsheets and I said absolutely I agree with you 100% we need to do this we need to take this site into the 21st century I'm with you again I have an IT background I understand the fundamentals of wanting to build a site the right way I understand why this site is kind of a joke when you look under the hood totally get it guys I'm with you let's do it how much time is that going to take what's it going to cost and are we going to be able to get all these other features that I want to roll out I want to add the podcast to the site I want to add a, add a whole section where people can can click on a team and see all the players associated with that team and then go into each player from there we want to do articles that's a huge thing we need articles because articles tell put all these metrics in context for Google our Google rank if you type in Jordy Nelson profile isn't great and one of the goals of the article section is to contextualize all the data in the site in a way that Google can read it and improve the scores of all our player pages if there are articles that link back to these player pages with terms like height adjusted speed score and production premium embedded in the article linking back to the player page that will help Google understand the value of our player pages and improve our score with Google when someone searches Jordy Nelson profile so for a lot of reasons I had competing goals for the site and absolutely if I if I were a competent manager a leader that, that really had my priorities in order I would have said let's invest the time and the money and the resources in building out a proper database we'll move off these local files that I've been uploading and then we'll worry about all this fluff all this search engine optimization that I want to be doing should have done that but I said, no, you know what, guys? No, nope, we're going to continue to go with this patchwork system behind the scenes. Basically, the site held together with scotch tape because I really want articles. I really want to add a whole bunch of fields like value over stream and the My Fantasy League ADP over the last two weeks and things like contested catches. I want to add those things and we're just gonna have to wait we're just gonna have to kick this can down the road but we will get to it I promise and they shrugged their shoulders they sighed the developers were just they pushed back they said no really we, we disagree with this approach you really need to move to a proper back-end system and I said I understand that we're not doing that and so 
at the time I felt like it was a mistake. I felt like I was being uh, greedy and I felt like it could cause problems. I felt like, you know what, this site could get really popular and the fact that we don't have a proper database system behind the scenes managing the information, it, it's going to cause a lot more outages, a lot more downtime and then the site's going to lose credibility and we're going to be a, a, just a massive failure. That's probably going to happen based on this silly decision that I made. Because I like bells and whistles. Because I like reading articles. And then what happens? We get hacked two weeks after the big update gets released. Now, if we had done it in reverse and we rolled out the database management system first and moved all the data to the database management system, guess what would have happened? All the data would have been deleted and we wouldn't have a backup. Because that's another thing that I didn't do. That's another incompetent thing that I did was, again, shared server, trying to save money. Not signing up for the backup plan. Not signing up for the, the backup solution that the hosting provider offers. All mistakes that I made. But we kept the local file upload which means we had all the data all I had to do was just click re-upload all these files and then boom the site's back instead of them wiping us out and you would go to playerprofiler.com forward slash NFL forward slash Jordy dash Nelson and it would just be a blank black screen and I would be crying I would be in tears I would be devastated if I had built the site the right way and prioritized it properly, I would be so screwed right now. It's unbelievable. Saved by my own incompetence. Oh, hacking though, man. Cybersecurity. Backup solutions. You start going down this rabbit hole like I am now and you realize what a giant, massive cost overhang cybersecurity and data management is on our economy. And if you think that hacking is sexy, just know that whenever something gets hacked, the people that are responsible for that site, the, the victims, they're devastated. It's hugely stressful for them. I know that it cuts years off people's lives, the stress from being hacked. So there's that. But there's also a hidden cost to all of us. There's a hidden cost to every consumer because of this huge cost overhang that all businesses, even one as small as mine, has to, is now going to face this cost overhang of a backup solution and potentially enhanced cybersecurity. I don't know exactly what I'm going to do. But if the hackers didn't exist, that would be a line item that none of us would be able would have to worry about. And then it would mean more investment in the site, a higher quality product for the consumer. But that's the hidden cost of the hackers and their activities. So, and if you're asking, well, we had, by the way, great outpouring from the minions asking once they saw that we were hacked, asking if there's anything that they can do to help. And I really appreciate that. We did lose one thing. We lost a lot of our articles and luckily the, most of the articles were emailed back and forth between myself and the authors so over the next couple weeks we will be 
rebuilding those articles. And then I think the site will be back to normal after that. So that's the one inconvenience. Um, it's unfortunate, but, you know, whatever. It could have been, like I said, it could have been a lot worse. Now, there's a lot of things that you can do to support the site. You can, if you're going to use, if you're going to be doing Daily Fantasy this year, I suggest that you close down your account and you start a new account. But before you start the new account, go to a player page and click on the play button to either DraftKings or FanDuel and then start a new account emanating from playerprofiler.com and then we will receive a commission on every game you play on a daily fantasy platform. So please do that. I would encourage you to do that. Other thing is, you can write an article for us. If you want to get published, if you want to get your if you have an interesting take on any particular player or a comparison of two players or something even more sophisticated, let me know. Email us, rotounderworld at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter, roto, at rotounderworld. Let us know. Do you want to write an article? We would love it. There are a number of, uh, of the writers already that are public, that have been published. They're not published. They're gone. It's like they never existed because <laughs> bye <laughs> Later articles! It's like, <laughs> see ya! But at one time, they wrote their first article. And it was published on playerprofiler.com, and it sort of launched their writing careers. And again, it's, it's like their writing careers never existed now, but they will be back. Those people, those writers will be back. The other thing that you can do is sign up for our concierge service. The concierge service essentially is a direct line of communication with me to help you plan your drafts, and then I can help you, give you tips and ideas and I can be a sounding board for you throughout the year it's I think it's well worth it it's probably underpriced at sixty dollars for the year the other thing is what I've seen people start doing is gifting it so if it's a if, if you're participating in an auction of some sort you can buy this and then I'll and and, and add it to a blind auction some people have done that uh, giving out, giving it out to fathers for Father's Day, things of that nature. So there's a lot of ways that you can leverage the concierge service to support the site, even if it's not for your own fantasy team. So think about that. Now, I'm about to go to Maine, and we're about to go on vacation. However, that's why we're doing a show today, and so I'm, I'm packing up Vivian. We're getting ready to get out of here to go to my my parents' house in Maine, and it's exciting. And what happened was, we're, we're getting ready to go to Maine, and then, oh, uh, geez, uh, Matt, so your website got deleted by Turkish hackers. Huh, that's interesting. Okay, Mom, I'm going to go have to go ahead and delay the trip for a day while we try to rebuild the site that was deleted by these assholes. Anyway, it's been a process of rebuilding the site after yesterday's hack and this idea that you know I'm about to go to Maine so for that reason it, this is my way of apologizing to you the audience that I don't have a lot of in-depth content I don't have rich information data-driven analysis on a Richard Rogers or a Ladarius Green today which means today you're gonna get lazy radio and content trickery 
And you're also going to get that on Friday. I'm going to do a show for my parents' house on Friday, and then I'm totally off the following week. So I'm going to give you the three shows that you deserve this week, even if one of them is from my mom's house, and I'm going to have no materials in front of me. It's just going to be me riffing the whole time. And that's what today is, really, just me riffing the whole time. So today's show and Friday's show, you're going to experience what I call lazy radio and content trickery. And so this is where I do the thing that a lot of other radio hosts do is their modem operandi for their shows. We try to not do that on this show. But today and Friday, we're going to fall back into those onto those crutches because I simply don't have anything prepared for you. You might not know this. You might not realize this. But I spend a lot of time preparing for this show. And I just haven't had the time to prepare for the show like I normally have because of these extenuating circumstances. So that's why we're going into Lazy Radio. And One of the first tricks of Lazy Radio is to dive into the buzzard archives. There are buzzard messages that we haven't talked about. Do you remember a week ago when I said I made I made the statement that most leagues are now PPR leagues and that standard is no longer standard, that standard is a misnomer, that standard is actually PPR and that no one actually really plays standard leagues anymore? Oh boy. Did I receive an avalanche of buzzard messages after that and I thought I'd just ignore them because it's like okay buddy, all right, fine. You you had to get out your little hot take about your standard leagues, and, and that's fine, and I'll let you have it. That's fine. But actually, I, I received enough of these messages that I do want to talk about them on the show briefly. So one of the things I received was an email, a condescending email, that basically went like this. I don't know if you know this, but there was a study that said that standard leagues outnumber PPR leagues 2 to 1. And this was my favorite part at the end. Look it up. Look it up. Okay, thank you. And then didn't provide a link. So there's this study out there that you know about, but you're not going to send me the link to. You're going to make me go find it. Well, thank you for that. The least helpful buzzard message I've ever received. So I went out and I looked for the study. And here's what I would ask all of you. Before you just reference studies without a link, or you send me links to these mainstream sports articles or studies. Read them first, number one, and understand the methodology behind the study before you message me about it. And here's why. The reason I ask you to think critically about the roots of any sporting sports news reports, think critically about these studies and the statistics that you see because you just can't read a headline, take it on face value, and send it to someone because oftentimes it's misleading. And that stat that standard leagues outnumber PPR leagues two to one is misleading. So you have to dig a little bit deeper than just reading the headline and just reading the introduction or just reading the conclusion. Read the methodology of the study. So think about it. What do you think that study, that poll of fantasy leagues what do you think they're counting when they're looking at how many leagues are standard versus how many leagues are PPR think about it they're counting free public leagues because we talked about this with the hacking 
you can't access pub private leagues unless you hack them. So, if you're going to do a mass study, you either need people to respond to surveys, and then you're getting a small fraction of the public, or you can go out and you can spider all the fantasy platforms and look up the format of every free public league. So what do you think makes up the majority of the leagues that are in that study? You guessed it. Free public leagues. Free public leagues are like Tonka trucks. They look like actual trucks from a distance, but they are actually far, 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 far from being actual trucks. I mean, you want to play in a free Yahoo League? Does anyone really want to play? Does anyone in this audience actually play free Yahoo Leagues where only half of the drafters even show up to the draft? And there's only one person logging in after week four? Free public leagues are like fantasy football masturbation. It's like masturbating in a sandbox with Tonka trucks. That's what I envision. Someone in a free public league, that's how I envision them. Just masturbating, laying in a sandbox, masturbating. That's, that's what you're doing. It's useless. I mean, maybe you're having fun, but you're accomplishing nothing. So have fun in your little sandbox free public league that's completely meaningless that no one actually cares about. What matters to people that I'm talking about, what matters to this audience, I know this to be the case, is our money leagues. We all know that the money leagues are what matters. No one has motivation to tr really try throughout week in, week out, the tedium that it takes to manage a fantasy football team. Unless it's a money league, the, the players aren't serious about it. And they're not going to be exerting 100% effort. So what we care about are serious leagues, expert leagues, MFL 10s, and most serious leagues, most expert leagues, and all MFL 10s are PPR. All of my leagues are PPR. I'm in like 10 leagues. They're all PPR because of course they're PPR because that's what serious people play. Among the leagues that actually matter, among the leagues that anyone actually cares about, PPR is the standard. But I don't even care. I don't even care. I don't have a horse in this race. PPR, non-PPR, conceptually, I could care less. In fact, the reasoning for adding PPR as a format is fading. The running back is the dominant position in fantasy football is fading because the game of football is changing and becoming more pass-oriented. So the reason for adding PPR in the first place is starting to go away. So I don't really care if the league is standard or PPR conceptually. I just want a consistent standard. Once we have a consistent standard, that will allow for better analysis. Then when you read an article, you always know that we're comparing apples to apples. All the, it's always apples and oranges. One article over here talking about Adrian Peterson, always referencing where Adrian Peterson ranks in non-PPR. 
And then over here, an analysis of Matt Forte, always referencing where Matt Forte ranks in PPR. It's maddening. It makes for a very conv it makes for a convoluted mess of fantasy analysis when you go from publication to publication. And, and that's where I think the Fantasy Trade Association needs to step in. Trade associations have their primary job, their most important job of a trade association is to establish standards for the members and the industry. So, the Fantasy Writers Association, the Fantasy Trade Association, should go out and collect data on leagues with stakes only, not free public leagues. Figure out how those leagues, how the majority of those leagues are setting up their scoring, how their, what their format looks like, what their roster structures look like, and then recommend that all major sports media platforms implement this consistent standard. And then we can all move on from this tedious conversation. More Lazy Radio. Here's the next trick of Lazy Radio. So going into the buzzard archives, pulling something that's weeks old, that's the first trick. When you have no content. <laughs> it's a content magic trick. It's like... Flash paper. I'm just throwing flash paper in the air. Oh, PPR versus standard. <laughs> flash paper. Oh, here's something for you. Would you like to hear a, an update on my own personal drafts that I've been in? Would you like to hear how I'm doing in my leagues? No? Too bad, because that's what we're covering next. By the way, on Friday, Friday we're doing a retrospective where we look back at the first half of 2015 and I go over all the winners and losers from free agency, all the winners and losers from the NFL draft, which teams were helped the most, which teams were hurt the most. Oh, it's going to be great. I have top five lists upon top five lists upon top five lists. It's going to be rapid fire, just lists of guys on Friday. So you're thinking, oh man, it doesn't get any worse than hearing about someone else's fantasy team. Oh, it gets worse. List Radio is coming on Friday. Oh yes. Oh yes. This is early July and this is what you get. This is early July after your host was hacked by rogue RB zealots from Turkey and he's about to go on vacation. This is what you get from your radio programming. Now, first draft that I did, we talked about this a little bit. I referenced that I was going to do it, which was a draft where I only drafted rookies. This was an MFL 10. In this draft, I had the 10th pick. I started DeMarco Murray, Calvin Johnson. And then we had a buzzard write in who I was sending updates on Twitter. Buzzard wrote in, TJ Yeldon with your fourth pick. You hate T.J. Yeldon. Yeah, I hate T.J. Yeldon, but I'm also not a moron when it comes to creating the optimal roster structure. Because if I didn't take T.J. Yeldon with my fourth pick, because Melvin Gordon was long gone, with my third pick I went Todd Gurley, my fourth pick I went T.J. Yeldon. Then it was, 
after TJ Yeldon, there, there were no more starting running backs. So I had to get my hands on starting running backs. And because of where I drafted, because I had the 10th slot, I didn't have an option. There was no way I could get my hands on Melvin Gordon. So what are we left with? We're left with TJ Yeldon. There's no other choice. Because if I didn't take TJ Yeldon with the fourth pick, and instead if I took Amari Cooper there, what would have happened is I would have had to hope and pray that I would be able to draft Duke Johnson in the seventh round. And that was, it, it was very possible that he was going to fall to me in the seventh, but it wasn't a sure thing. And if I couldn't guarantee that I would get Duke Johnson in the seventh, well, this is, I had to take Yeldon. That's how it works when you're running through the various iterations of your draft you have to do that you have to go through multiple iterations multiple dress rehearsals if i go cooper over yeldon here how does this affect me as the draft goes on and essentially what it came down to was i could either have yeldon and Devonte parker later or cooper and david johnson later assuming duke johnson wouldn't be available and what happened in this draft duke john duke johnson went relatively early. Someone jumped up and grabbed Duke Johnson with the 70th overall pick right after I took Tevin Coleman. So there was no way I could get my hands on Duke Johnson. So with the 5th pick, I went Coleman. The 6th pick, I went Brashad Perriman. Then I went Kevin White, Devontae Parker, Funchess. So I got my receivers that I like. I got all the receivers that I like. I reached for a lot of these receivers. I reached for Funchess. I reached for Devontae Parker because I had to. This is, there were no other rookies that these were the, the rookies that were going to give me the most output according to my projections. Then I had to reach for Jameis Winston and Mariota because if, I, if someone decided to jump up and grab Jameis Winston and reach for Winston and reach for Mariota, I would be stuck with one quarterback. So this experiment was interesting in that it taught me that it's in theory an interesting conceptually theoretically oh rookies on average all else being equal are undervalued typically but that doesn't mean you can simply implement an all rookie draft and think that you're going you're you're going down the, the optimal lineup path no because i would much rather have drafted not Jameis Winston in the 10th round. It would have been nice to not have to draft Marcus Mariota in the 11th. I would love to have been able to wait many many rounds later and take Alex Smith. But I couldn't do that. Did I want to take Max Williams in the 12th? Because if I could if if someone decided to reach for Max Williams, again, screwed. Left with only Clive Walford. And you know from previous shows, I like Clive Walford. So when now, when people look at this roster, they go, oh, wow, it's not bad, except you're super weak at tight end. And I'm like, it's all rookies. You think I'm super weak at tight end? Of course I'm super weak at tight end. This was an awful year for tight ends. There was Max Williams and maybe Clive Walford and nobody else. Who's next? Tyler Croft? Jesse James? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I had to reach for Max Williams. So you can go to Twitter, to my timeline, my personal timeline, at fantasy underscore mansion, and 
and and there you can see my lineup. I got Buck Allen later, got Philip Dorsett later, Devin Smith later. So not awful. Could have been worse, but if I wasn't handicapped and wasn't forced to take only rookies in every round starting in round three and, and after, it would have been a lot better. But we'll see. It's an experiment. It's ten bucks. Whatever. We'll do it together. We'll check this we'll check on this team as we go along in the season. We'll see how it's going. Scott Fish Bowl has started. So that's interesting. One thing I want to say about Scott Fish Fishbowl is that I think people are surprised. I had the first overall pick, and I didn't pick DeMarco Murray. I went with Eddie Lacy. And the reason is is because I thought there was a chance that DeMarco Murray would fall to me at the end of the second round because the Scott Fishbowl is a super flex format. So you can start two quarterbacks, and there was a chance that a number of quarterbacks would go in the first two rounds pushing down players like DeMarco Murray and... C.J. Anderson and Arian Foster. It's, it didn't play out that way, but that's 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 why I drafted Eddie Lacy. It was between Eddie Lacy. My choice was between Eddie Lacy and Julio Jones because Eddie Lacy it has the most upside of all of the running backs to me, and Julio Jones has the most upside of all of the receivers. And that's that's essentially it. And someone might say, well. Julio Jones, his ADP is like 10. You can't take him at number one. First of all, you cannot be a slave to the ADP. All that matters when you're looking at the ADP is, do I have a better than 25% chance of getting this guy in my next round selection? If that's true, if you believe you have a better than 25% chance of being able to draft this player with your next pick, then you can pick somebody else. But if you believe that there's a less than 25% chance that this player will be available when you select next, it doesn't matter what the ADP is. Especially if you're on the turn or on the button, number one. You have to wait 22 picks before you pick next. So you have to go out and say, what is the likelihood that this player will be there? And even though it looks like a reach from an ADP standpoint, drafting Julio Jones number one looks like an AD, looks like a reach from the ADP standpoint, it's not a reach at all because there's no way he would have been available at the end of the second round. And I believe he has the highest ceiling of all the receivers. So he was the, he would have been the right pick for me. ADP be damned. You cannot be a slave to the ADP. If you are a slave to the ADP, your team will be worse. And also, your team is almost always worse when you are one of you are picking in a snake draft on the bookends. If you have the first or second pick or you have the 11th or the 12th pick, that is never optimal. These turn picks are always bad. People always have to go through these logical gymnastics to rationalize their pain away when they say, oh, I'm picking number 12. It's not bad. Oh, I'm picking number 11. Oh, it's, it's, it's actually pretty good. I actually, it's really good place to pick this year. It's not. 
you always want to be in the middle. Because if you're in the middle, you don't have to be as aggressive in order to get your guys. On the other hand, if you're at pick 1 or at pick 12, you're waiting 22 picks before you make your next selection. That means you only have bad choices in front of you. You can either select fewer players that you have conviction about because you have to select players back to back. And if you want to let what the draft gives you, which is a silly piece of advice, don't take what the draft gives you. That's an awful rule of thumb. You want to select players that you have conviction about. You don't just want to go down the ADP list and just draft what everyone else draft who everyone else is drafting at those particular slots. That's not how you win. You win by having conviction about players that will outperform their ADPs. However, when you're picking on a turn, you have fewer players that you have great conviction about available to you. So that's what ends up happening. You end up, you're forced to, to choose between players that you have less conviction about or overpaying from an ADP standpoint almost every other round to make sure you're acquiring players that you have great conviction about. It's, it's an unfortunate situation. That's why picking in the center of a round is optimal, always. The only way that you could, could that, that you can craft an argument, construct an argument, that drafting on at the beginning or the end of a round is better is if you're drafting 101 in one of those years where there's this player who is rising above all of the others. If we're talking about peak Ladanian Tomlinson then the ability to get peak LaDainian Tomlinson, a guy that is so much better than all of the other players at his position, and he's at a high-scoring position like running back, then okay, that could totally nullify the disadvantage of picking at a turn position. Otherwise, you always want to be drafting in the middle. And when you look at the board on the Scott Fishbowl of my draft... I went Lacey because I think DeMarco Murray actually could could be available to me later. And if you look at Eddie Lacey, you think about intrinsically who is Eddie Lacey? What is he capable of? What will his, what will his opportunity be? What is his talent level? In terms of opportunity, his number of carries and his receptions rose in the second half of last year and into the playoffs as the team phased out James Starks and anointed Eddie Lacy their workhorse back role. He became their stud centerpiece running back of their offense. But it didn't happen at the beginning of the season. It happened as the season went on. There were games in the first half of the season where he was splitting touches with James Starks. That wasn't the case in the second half. He won that job. He won the workhorse back role near the end of the season 
in 2014. And now, if you look at Eddie Lacy in a vacuum, he, his age is in the center of the RB age apex. One of the problems with many of the other running backs that are that are in the top, that being drafted in the first couple rounds, is they're old. Most of them are old. Matt Forte, Marshawn Lynch, Adrian Peterson, old, old, old. Jamal Charles, old. Not so Eddie Lacy in his prime, operating as the workhorse in a top offense. Now, James Starks, 29 years old, James Starks has been relegated. So Eddie Lacy has almost no competition for carries. Ted Thompson could have gone out and, and, and acquired inexpensively C.J. Spiller, could have acquired Roy Hallou which would have been a fantastic... If you're a Packers fan, that would have been fantastic for Aaron Rodgers to have a, 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 a sublime receiving running back on third down. But Ted Thompson didn't do that because Ted Thompson's overrated. Instead, Eddie Lacy is your every down back. Eddie Lacy is going to be playing on the goal line. Eddie Lacy is going to be playing on third down. Eddie Lacy is going to be playing on second and five. There is no competition for touches in Green Bay. And Lacey's opportunity and his situation and his all-purpose skill set, you add that all up, he has the highest ceiling of any running back in fantasy. And he has a pretty damn high floor, too.